Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 169, episode 3 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, yeah. a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's a shared consciousness. It's Wednesday, January 27th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. You see, I've got two kids, and they love Blippi. Cause he poops some butts. Zeitgang <laughs> said, "Shut up and start the show." But poopy butts are silly. They said, "No, no, no." Shut up and start the show. That is an AKA from a, a bitter, a mean AKA from official dickhead living up to his name. Uh, he he didn't like that we spent a half hour at the top of a show. Uh, talking talking about Blippi's uh, dirty pants. Well, that's I can I you know what I can't help you if you didn't find the value in that because the BuzzFeed article said diarrhea shit on his friend's nude ass. <laughs> what are you talking about, uh, Alex? We're about to kill another half hour talking about this. Alex, I feel like I need to recreate the Blade Runner speech right now. Talking about how I've, <laughs> I've seen things, man. Uh, but I am thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! There's this place in the corner of my den where I used to sit and drink Kirkland. But I broke the AC and lost my mind, stripping off clothes sweat all in my eyes. Um, and I just, you know, thank you to Hannah Soltis, Hannah Ramick view on the Discord, Ocean Avenue AKs, because I love, dude, staying the fall. Nah, that's one of my favorite uh, little, you know, sort of syncopations uh, in lyrics uh, in music. What, so what is that? that? Who's like that? a syncopation? A syncop- where you- syncopation? No, no. Syncopation is, oh. I don't know the song. Hmm? Oh, Ocean Avenue by mm-hmm. Yellow Card. If I could find you, you now. How about better. I don't that know one. why I wear this light blue sweater. As she wow. wrote. <laughs> but I, do, I don't have a light blue sweater, so, sweater, so it didn't feel on brand. Oh man, I could have pretended you were wearing a light blue sweater for the listeners. You I know have. theater of the mind and all that, but uh, well, we are thrilled to be joined by the hilarious and talented Alex Edelman. Hey, hey, hey. hey guys, AKA don't have any AKAs. Don't uh, there you go. Uh, that was we're thrilled Alex. to have you. We were just talking about reminiscing about how we met a year ago. Yeah. Oh my God! At Sketchfest, when people were um, were in person before we lost Kobe Bryant and the world we knew, man, yep. 2020 yeah. wasn't great, was it? Nah, you know, had its <laughs> had its moments. <laughs> we yeah. were really. I mean, I felt like we because we were getting ready. You know, this that was about to kick <laughs> off a bunch of tours and shit. We're like, yo, 2020 is a year. My man, Alex is in the building. This guy's hilarious. Like, we, we're going places. I was excited. I was like, 2020 is going to be my year, guys. And then, uh, yeah, no, yeah. it uh, did all, it all fell apart. Mm. It was Lincoln all of Park our might years. Say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or things fall apart and start to shatter yeah. as uh, the roots might mm. say. Uh, um, yes. uh, no, we should go with Lincoln Park. Uh, yeah. yeah I was like, Sorry I about that. Uh, all right, Alex, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about. We're going to talk about the pandemic as stress test for uh, the West, just it really showing us uh, ourselves on a very detailed EKG monitor. Uh, we are we are seeing 
some clogged ass arteries, I would say. Uh, we'll we'll talk about some uh, how LA's richest pieces of shit are uh, dealing with uh, the the line to get the vaccine, uh, and just generally across the West. We'll talk about COVID as a case study for climate change uh, and what what it tells us about how we're going to be able to do during that. Um, Florida is uh, attempting to get the Olympics this summer. Uh, we'll we'll read the letter from the CFO of Florida. I didn't even know states had CFOs, uh, but yeah, <laughs> Jimmy Patronus, baby, <laughs> Jimmy Patronus, <laughs> Jimmy Patronus. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about sliceable hot sauce, uh, and we'll talk about what we're looking at as far as Super Bowl commercials this year. All of that, plenty more. But first, Alex, we like to ask our guest. What is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? I have spent a lot of time over the last couple of days looking for curtains for Ooh. the apartment that I'm living in. And I, I think I'll never find them. I don't know why. And I want one, I want one panel curtains for my kitchen and every kitchen set of curtains seems to be like a two-piece bathing suit with like a little bit at the top and then like a little bit in the middle. And uh, and I can't believe that I'm like, this is the height of sickening domesticity where I'm just like, no, those curtains are too are, are, are too blackout. Those curtains are too translucent. I'm not going to be able to. I need curtains that give me privacy and let some light in. Like it's a really unpleasant shitty errand i wish i had cooler you know i also spent a lot of time searching the guy who um wrote the song spirit in the sky oh why hmm. well what's what'd you learn about him well first of all as much as i curtains. want to talk about curtains sorry it's an uh, orthodox <laughs> jew named norman greenbaum from really? the boston area he uh was he, he heard gospel on television thought that sounds easy <laughs> sat down and wrote the top charting gospel song of all time in 13 minutes jesus christ it took him 13 minutes he looked at the clock it was 1205 he looked at the clock again it was 1222 it took him 13 minutes to write <laughs> spirit in the sky which has just charted more than any it's not the best gospel song it's the highest charting gospel song and people sent him angry letters because he says, there's a lyric where he says, I'm not a sinner, I've never sinned, but I got a friend in Jesus. And people send him <laughs> letters about how we're all sinners. Uh, yeah. And he writes back like, I'm Jewish, I don't really give a shit. I mean, I wouldn't say, so gospel song, I was thinking of a different song, but that, that's the, uh, the gonna da 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 to the spirit in the sky. It's like a 70s, like... It's like a 70s rock song that is about Jesus, right? Like, it doesn't it's, feel like actual, like, the genre of gospel music, right? It was classified. Sorry, I mean, I don't I don't know, but it was, it's it's listed as, it, it was it was gospel charting. It charted right. as gospel. I mean, gospel. I guess it's about Jesus, so that's all you need, right? It's the second most requested song at funerals. Really? Like, yeah, behind Danny Boy. Ba -dum, ba -dum, ba -dum, ba -dum. Um. That's so interesting when, so was he doing it almost as a, it was like, here, here, these, these idiots will love this. <laughs> it kind of feels like he's like, oh, that looks real easy. 
he does he wrote a, it as a joke i think he was yeah. in a sort of like captain beefheart band called like the <laughs> eggplant that ate chicago or something like that and what? then he wrote this as a joke and people were like this is just such a great gospel song he's like no it's a fucking joke and that's that's so interesting that happens so often we i've i've talked about it before but the fact that uh that Steelers wheel song stuck in the middle with you was them doing like basically seeing that Bob Dylan was so successful and being like, we're going to make fun of Bob Dylan with like a bunch of shitty Bob Dylan metaphors uh, about clowns and jokers <laughs> and like do an actual shitty Bob Dylan voice during the song. They're like going clowns to left me. Jokers. And oh, like, wow. it's their by far their biggest hit. Uh, right. of all and that's time. the number one song to get tortured to. I'm not sure if most <laughs> people know that, but that song is behind Danny Boy is the number is the number. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen Reservoir Dogs, that joke will make zero sense to you. But it is. I think everyone's seen that. I think we can we can assume it's. I mean, yeah, I, um, I don't I don't know why they call it gospel. Maybe just because of the lyrics, because I wouldn't say like it has like the actual structure of traditional gospel music, right? Like, sonically but yeah like i guess i guess like in that sense when they're like well if it's jesus based like that's we'll put it in there in the gospel church. It's, maybe a it's bit a of lil nas song. x when yeah it's a rock they were saying he wasn't sure. country it's a it's a hundred percent a rock song also it was issued under the name norman greenbaum no one, <laughs> no on, one was like is this guy <laughs> sam cook or something right. like it was uh yeah it, it seems like it belongs squarely in the uh in the same category as the uh, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Um, what well, what are some other like rock songs that are of that genre of like rock songs that seem like they could have been written by a five year old, uh, but right. they they rule for sure. That's not an insult. The um, the mash the theme to mash was Robert Altman said, okay, so for the theme music, we need something that sounds like it was written by a ten year old. Yeah, like literally written by a 10 year old and whoever was writing it couldn't do it. So Robert Altman's son, Michael, wrote the music and he was like 13 years old. And so there was a time where the 13 year old son of Robert Altman was pulling in more money and royalties from MASH than Robert Altman was for writing the theme music. <laughs> is that true? It oh, really shit. is. What? I mean... I may but, be messing up the names. Maybe it's not Michael Altman, but I think it is. But the song's called Suicide is Painless. Yeah. And uh Which that kid yeah, that thirteen Altman. that's a thirteen year old name. That's a that's a thirteen year old coming up with that title because that's some real angsty shit. Okay, I hate to I hate to pull some some string uh, like number crunch here. He was fifteen, apparently. He was fifteen. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Please what's yeah. his name? Michael Altman though, is it yeah, the name? You did you got the Michael Altman two years off on the age. So but we'll okay, let sorry. it stand. Yeah. Um, I added some precocity to that kid. <laughs> yeah, and Elvis also was doing like a bit. He was doing a f a fake character to make the session musicians laugh, and that's where he got like at first he was singing like himself, like he would sing, and then he started doing like a oh thank you, thank you very much, like thing like that, and people were like, no, that actually slaps. Keep doing that, and that's how he came <laughs> up with the thing. After like hours of just trying to sing in a straightforward way when i was um, well, i i was i opened for beck for a little while on the road what? back when people still, i know uh back when people still did that i did stand up and it was great and one of his um one of the folks that was touring with him told me that uh when you know that 
Loser, which is one of his most famous yeah. songs, where he was in the studio and he kept fucking something up. And I've not clear, I've not clarified this directly with Beck, but I've had this confirmed by other people, which is that he was like he started he started singing about how he was a loser, and they're like, "We're gonna use that." Yeah, he's like, yeah. "I'm a loser, baby." So why don't you come? I mean, like, he's un, he's unbelievable. So it's not like he's he's right. a fuck up, but I mean, yeah, I can imagine that people doing shit for laughs. Musicians are so painfully earnest that sometimes. When they're occasionally not taking themselves seriously, maybe it's better than the stuff that they're doing. Right, because right. they get out of their own way, right? And it like just get by doing something silly or something, it just like gets the it clears the signal for them or whatever, whatever it is. Also, um, there's something about the alchemy of doing something simple. Yeah. And like, you know, my fav there's a piece by Eric Johnson, who's a great guitarist called Cliffs of Dover, which is like famously like one of the hardest pieces to play on guitar, but it's got right. a really simple riff at the center of it. And he was like, yeah, I was taking my groceries in for the car. I rode in like five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, like... Sweet Child of Mine was a finger-stretching exercise that Slash used to do. Uh, really? There's, yeah, there's like a bunch of stories like that where it's just like these very simple things and like musicians just are are too complicated. They get too complicated with it. Uh, they're too advanced. You may know Custer Dover from being the hardest song to play in Guitar Hero, but it is very, very good. Yeah. I mean, through the fire and flames on like the hardest mode is also pretty, pretty intense too. Oh yeah. Uh, what my is guitar hero, my Guitar Hero freaks out there? Alex, what is something you think is underrated? I've been ranting all day yesterday about a thing, but it's also music, so I'm like, maybe I shouldn't do it. But underrated is. Um, I would say Mark Cohen's walking in Memphis, which is stuck in my head. But uh, but in, in in the theme of getting off the track, you know what's underrated? Just having plain um, rice. Okay. Just having warm rice with something is incredibly underrated. As warm rice with soy sauce is extremely decent snack, or warm rice with like seaweed. For or like the dried seaweed thing, like I had that for I've had that for lunch a couple of days, and maybe it's just my actually this is only acceptable in a pandemic. I'm realizing that as I say it that this type this type of lifestyle is only acceptable. But like I've had like microwavable rice, and it's pretty good. And I think yeah, microwavable rice. I am just discovering it now. As in, is that the saddest underrated that you guys no. have ever had? You're you're Top honoring five, right? you're you're honoring <laughs> the way of my people as we've been doing it yeah. for centuries. We have been eating the rice. I mean, yeah, Japanese. Uh, every meal is you have to have rice on the table, like plain. Yeah. So I've also I've done the thing too where you can buy like the microwavable, like you pop it in for ninety seconds rather than like having to do a yes. whole thing of it. Uh, yes. And yeah, it's very it's very. I, I even have Her Majesty, my partner, she's even fucking with the the white rice, like being like, how about that? And then just a piece of salmon, and then we put that on the rice. I'm like, look at you. Look yes. at you. Yes. Thank you. Also, my girlfriend color-coded my bookshelf, and I was I furious, that. furious when she did that. Absolutely <laughs> furious. I was like, it's categorized by pretentiousness. How dare you? And now I'm like, it's, it's nice. Kind of nice. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. It looks. I'm thinking really about good. doing that with my kids' uh, children's book bookshelf. Uh, oh, how long is that going to last, though? 
Yeah, zero like <laughs> to that like, night. But there's cr- <laughs> it's currently a complete mess, and you can't find anything. So, got uh, it. We got too many books. Uh, yeah, rice is in my in-laws' household. There's always a, a rice cooker just with hot rice in it that you can just like pop open, get a spoonful of rice at any time. Uh, we have a rice cooker. Uh, we will often have like for a month stretch just some rice uh, warming in the in the rice cooker. I tried to make rice the other day and. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think it was the wrong kind of rice because uh, it in was. Wait, the machine? What's that? Wait, I'm in the rice cooker machine. You got a Korean fam. We have same rice. You have an auto rice cooker, right? You just yeah. put the shit in. You fucked that up. You put the up. shit in. It was brown rice. And <laughs> for some reason, it like didn't cook all the way. And it was still like hard. Uh, and I I put water in it multiple times. Uh, like I did it. I cooked it multiple times i was like surely this will make it soft and Mm -hmm. it was just dry and hard uh and i uh was ashamed and wish i hadn't just shared that on the show uh what is something alex you think is overrated fran Leibowitz. (laughs) (laughs) if i wanted to hear an old jew complain i'd listen to me i am so they're fine they're basic complaining observations that everyone has they're not they're i'm actually not kidding more worried about saying this on a recorded medium than i've ever been about saying anything (laughs) i i don't want to get canceled for i like fran leibowitz a lot i've read everything she's ever published which is like three books (laughs) and they're small I right. just don't understand why someone who's basically been tweeting since 1979 is this grand doyen of like curmudgeonliness. It's fine. <laughs> it is the and by the way, everyone's like, oh, she's such an avant-garde figure. Everyone enjoys her. I don't know a single like, by the way, I don't even hate Fran Leibowitz. I think Fran Leibowitz is great. I just don't think Fran Leibowitz needs to be inaugurated into the brown paper bag pantheon of New York City where everyone's like, she's just you see her on the street. She's not a deity. And so now there's like a Martin Scorsese documentary where he laughs at her bon mots about how people walk too slow on the sidewalk, which is the same thing everyone's been complaining about since 1984. <laughs> I don't understand why she's so famous. Pretend also, it's <laughs> a city is what it's called because that's her That's her joke is pretend it's a city and act like there are people around you. It's one uh, bit and it's, it's one bit. It's one bit, and I'm and I'm done with it. I want to see the positive Fran Lebowitz spins. I know that she's angry. That's fine. I'm angry too. Just show me something. Also, spicy tuna crispy rice, very overrated. While we're on the rice topic, spicy tuna, <laughs> tuna crispy rice. It's everywhere. It's an. It's a. It's wow. I was about to say epidemic, but we've got to be careful about our word choice these <laughs> yeah. days. It's everywhere. Spicy tuna crispy rice, and they're not all created equal. Some are really no. good, some really bad, but as a concept, it's overrated. And I like now, there's a restaurant in Glendale, California, near where I live, and they have a sign outside that says, no spicy tuna crispy rice, which I appreciate. Thank God. Oh, really? I mean, it's, yeah. I, look, I know, like, Nobu did it first, mm-hmm. and that was, like, the thing. And everyone was like, oh, fuck, you had the crispy rice? And then it just became, like, like the cupcake phenomenon of, like, Japanese restaurants, where it's like, yes. you gotta have a crispy rice thing. And, like, every, like Japanese people were like, for who? 
because we don't want that. <laughs> like that ain't no. I'm not my when I go there with like my family or my mom or whatever. We're not like yo. We gotta get the crispy rice. <laughs> it's just a very. Uh, I think because like I think it being at Nobu made it this sort of it elevated it to this idea of like fancy Japanese restaurant dish. Uh, but yeah, yeah, right. and it's like I'm more fast food. Sorry, I'm very concerned now about my. I don't want to be. I don't want to have my credentials as a devout New York Jew revoked. So please, please, guys, be kind if you are big friendly woods. And please, I also don't want friendly woods to find out because she's a scary lady. So I think you could match yeah. wits with friends. Yeah, I think you'd be fine. I think it would actually be be would, good for yeah. you. I think you should start a feud with friendly woods. It could be like East watch, Coast West up- Coast thing. Now that you're in LA. Would be great if Emily was just like, I don't beef down. <laughs> yeah. She's like, get your numbers up, ho. <laughs> don't beef down. I got a I got a nar- I got a Martin Scorsese special under my belt, son. Yeah. I don't need you. <laughs> yeah, keep doing these cr- grainy ass podcasts, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, all right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, and let's talk L.A. Uh, greatest city in the world. Just just the best. That It has the entertainment industry, uh, which, you know. Which has poisoned Earth's mind. <laughs> uh, all right. Let, let's talk about this. Uh, <laughs> L.A. Uh, rich people are doing their most I'm, I'm assuming it's not just la rich people but uh variety just came out with an article yeah about how this is uh epidemic in the um entertainment you know, industry you know it's you know it's like good because variety wrote it because they know like they are these people so it's they're right. telling on themselves you know like yep. they know the agents and the studio execs and all these soup like the geffens and all of those people they hear this shit and they put in an article that isn't like as critical of the of this phenomenon. It's more like, wow, the lengths people will go, huh? Uh, without like having any kind of take on the morality of it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they are doing fucking all kinds of things to like legal options, which is like, how do I jump the line? So what they'll do, they've been they've they'll take like private physicians and go to these like bespoke healthcare places and like lean on the physician be like what the fuck bro you're usually able to get me fucking anything get me the fucking vaccine or being like what can i donate or asking friends who work on the boards of hospitals like what can i do for you personally can you help me somehow get the vaccine and that's that's one way or other people are taking private jets to Florida for like vaccination tourism, as they call it, uh, just to get there because it's much easier to Yikes. fuck around in Florida. Um, and that's just the legal shit. There's another guy, Dr. Uh, Wizenga in Beverly Hills, said that he's been offered like bribes in the tens of thousands by individuals to get their whole families or whatever vaccinated before everyone else. Um, they're also just saying like, he's also seen people trying to ask him how they could quote transiently get into the healthcare profession or on staff at nursing homes. So they qualify for early vaccines. Um, yeah, so I get it. The, the rollout has been a shit show, obviously like my own parents who are in over 65 and are able to get a vaccine. It's been very difficult or, you know, it's been a start stop process, but I've been getting there, but it's just sort of like, I'm not sure 
like, I don't understand why they think that gives them the right to, I don't know, like cut the line in front of a fucking essential medical worker or what they think happens once they're vaccinated. Like, oh, now world, now everything's now Spago will reopen because I'm vaccinated. Like what's the lack of, yeah, awareness as a member of a community that it requires to do that. Like as, as the people who are most able to continue to distance and stay out of harm's way. They're so fully bought into the like sort of me first individualism of the West that they can't, they can't even see that. Or I don't know. They don't want to, uh, there is a, uh, a story in Vancouver, uh, but it does have an entertainment industry connection. Uh, a rich, uh, 50 year old and his wife, uh, who is a 32 year old actress who was in the movies, fat man and chick fight. Uh, they chartered a plane. Good movie. Like like Batman and the Joker, fat man and chick fight. (laughs) No, those are separate movies. Oh, okay. Uh, It's like, that sounds kind of high concept, but, uh, they chartered a plane to a tribal land in the Yukon, uh, that has, 100 uh people and posed as lo- local shopkeepers uh to get the vaccines uh oh when it was being given to elderly uh, indigenous people that is elaborate that yeah. is some heist movie shit yeah yeah that's like a heist movie where you're rooting against the people pull it's like it's like the worst oceans 11 <laughs> where right you're like ah god i mean i hope they're caught right <laughs> It's Ekaterina Baker and uh, her husband's name is like Rodney Baker or something like that is the name of the couple. Um, Rodney. Vancouver just went down a couple spots on my favorite city list because of that. I get no respect, I I tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I get no respect because I'm a petty criminal, (laughs) I tell you. Just because I'm appropriating your (laughs) indigenous Um, culture to get a vaccine. Whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got a fake mustache, and uh, and I was sussed out pretty quick. I kept doing an Indian accent; it uh, was the wrong kind. Oh, oh god! Oh god! <laughs> it ends up being yeah. It sounds like a really fucked up scene from The Office that would have actually happened, where Michael yeah. tries to get a vaccine on 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 like tribal ground. That's I, yeah. I don't. Oh. That's so funny, and his and he's has a rationale for it that he's definitely. Of By the course, way, yeah. like my dad got a vaccine. My dad is an ICU doctor in Boston. He's one of the first to get a vaccine, and I was relieved. But it's by no means like a get out of jail free card. You've got to be really careful, and you can still pass it on to people. And it's a re- like it's really not great yeah. to get it, even if you have the. You can still. Right. It's 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 scary. Yeah, considering the environment we're in, too. It's like, yeah, you can, but that doesn't change the overall picture, the situation you're in. You're so right about Spago. Like, these people do think they're like, well, I've got vaccinated. When's Spago, when's Spago going to Yeah, be they're open? like, they're going to be like, let us in, Wolfgang. But, you know, yeah. have, you, have you heard about this? So in L.A., there's something called overflow lines where they can't waste these vaccines once right. they're open. So you can wait on an overflow line and get a vaccine if you know people don't show up for their appointments or if people can't show up for their appointments or if they've got extra stuff left at the end of the day so it, there is a way to get the vaccine legally it still up. doesn't seem great though because the LA Times wrote an article a few days ago about how you know the uh, there's a district in LA 
that's 97%, uh, you know, uh, black and Latino. And their overflow line was almost exclusively white people who right. had heard about it as sort of like a life hack and were coming to get it. And they asked a bunch of people on the line if they thought it was okay. And everyone was like, yeah, sure, but don't use my name in the article. Right. So right. they know. It's a, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough one because on one hand, like philosophically, like you can't waste these vaccines. Like that is just right. absolutely fucked up. And I think the tone of it, because we were actually discussing it like uh, Daniel and Anna and I actually over the weekend because we were like reading that article. That had a very weird tone about people who were like trying not to waste it, but it just seemed to more be like, look at these youngsters just fucking trying to get the vaccines or whatever, which I get on one hand. Yeah, like the uh, like going somewhere to a community that already has a lack of resource to be like, can I get your overflow uh, is definitely not like the best look. But then you also like wish like, why can't we like have more, you know, like I know there's a lot of people having trouble getting the vaccines too, like to get to a place to get it that right in that same breath, like couldn't you have, you know, like they're talking about having paramedics or ambulances be mobile like vaccinators who will pull up to you and be like, here's your vaccine. Is that you? Boom, boom, boom to like help address, you know, all the fucking holes that we have in the distribution plan. But yeah, it yeah. seems like I mean, we're that's just, systemic it's, it's failure. I I feel like with the with the, um you know, overflow lines, that is systemic failure and just, you know, this a system that is based on white supremacy and not paying attention to the distribution in communities that are uh, primarily persons of color like that, that is just a symptom of that overall failure. The the people who flew up to the tribal lands to steal those vaccines uh, face a $900 fine for, for doing that. So it's like there's just so many systemic like ways that the right. systemically were kind of fucked. You, you know, un- understand. I mean, like what we're finding out right now is who would push women and children out of the way to get into the lifeboats in the Titanic. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, would you dress up as a woman or child to get on? Yeah. That's the Billy Zane character right now trying to get into yeah. the lifeboats. But it is like you say, like, why can't we have a better rollout? Like I, I think now we will because there was a good op-ed a couple, I'm sure you guys maybe covered it, but there was a good op-ed a couple of weeks ago that like Biden's vaccine rollout plan is insanely obvious. Yeah, and, and starting insane, from zero. Yeah, and it's saying that no one's tried it yet. And you know, at the same time, like, like you know, the optics of the 21st century are you know something that because because Miles is right. Like those vaccines shouldn't go to waste. It's just figuring out a better way to give them out to people. That's yeah, you know. And on top of that, in communities like that, access to a computer and shit like that is not the same as being like, okay, Santa Monica, here's the website, sign up for vaccines. And another thing I just want to say to even listeners too, if you know older people, ask them if they need help getting a vaccine. Cause let me tell you that shit is some of these websites are fucking so backwards that even someone in their thirties, twenties, whatever, are like this, this is fucked up. Um, I like, implore you to check on elderly people who are eligible to and offer to sign them up because that's a whole other barrier to entry with this thing where it's like it we have to find a way to make it as easy as possible for everyone because yeah a lot of times you're figuring out a lot of older people like oh i didn't know or like i don't have a phone that does internet or when i do it's very sparse so yeah just uh we just another another sign that we all have to 
help each other, you know, when obviously the, the official rollout isn't adequate enough. Yes. I mean, this is, this is kind of a slippery slope, but this does seem like the sort of like not just a $900 fine being level, like leveled up. So it's more, but this also feels like, you know, we need to have a, <laughs> a, a population going forward that is willing to think collectively uh, as we're about to talk about with like the many parallels between COVID and climate change. And like the, the fact that these people are outing themselves, like I, I feel like, I don't know, at the very least we should be using that as information for like how, to, how to deal with those people going forward and you know, how to not necessarily punish them, but uh, get them out of the way uh, you know, in terms of what, what our plans are and, how we're going to run as society because right now they're just we'll we'll talk later about this Florida attempt to get the Olympics this summer where this guy writes a letter to the love it uh Olympic commission and his first uh paragraph or second paragraph he says like I can put you in contact or make give you the right connections help you make the right contacts it's like there's so much of the current economy and just like how the world works. That's all based on like connections and like rich people doing favors for other rich people. And like, we really need a drastic shift in that shit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause also like our consumer culture is so based around like exclusivity and things like that and having the plug or having access that it's like, it perverts all these other things too. Like of just sort of like, Oh, I could get that. Like right. you can't get that. I can get that because I'm here or whatever. And that's the the Mac the mentality of these people trying to get vaccines and and things like that. But also, I wonder if it's just also just a bit of like just nihilism from these people who are like, "Fuck it, dude. It's it's fucked." And the only way I'm gonna get through this is because I'm richer than everyone, and that's just how I'm. Yeah. That's how I'm rolling now. Fuck it. Yeah, and I think you know, like like you mentioned, with in some of the cases, it's like people trying to get it for their whole family, and like I can appreciate you know when you have a loved one who you're really trying to protect but you know i still think that there is an inherently rotten set of ideals at the core of this like when you say consumer culture i'm thinking of like uh you know sneaker drops and shit like that but that's at least a democratically like uh, people who show up first get the first shoes or you know and yeah but they but it's been perverted by bot. But I'm saying like it used to be, it's like anything it used to be like that. And now there are people who are perverting it, exploiting it and being like, okay, I have bots right. to get as extract as many sneak pairs of sneakers. And then I flip those blah, blah, blah. Like, cause it's all this idea that there's, yes, there's one value to something. And then there's a whole other value to it, to someone else, like oh, as a resale or something that's different yeah. or that I have access to. And that we just is, don't, there's just like, yeah, you're right. Like understanding this is not a commodity. Right. It's not a thing that is like it's not a fucking Snickers bar or a Jeff Coons piece. Like this is right. a it's a it's a vaccine that's being provided by the the government in a way that is actually kind of this is a poison word, but socialist. It's just like this is for everybody. This is the people who need it first are going to get it. And you can't skip the line. This is this is in some ways extremely egalitarian. Although, as Miles points out, of course, it's not if you can't access a computer. But you know, it's it's this is this point to point distribution is not something that we're used to as 
um, you know, as people live in a capitalist society. Yeah. yeah. So, but I have more money, so that means I'm better. So how come yeah, I don't get yeah. vaccine? I Is think it's literally the thought vaccine process. I could get. <laughs> right. You know? But I mean, they these a lot of the times these are people who you know, they bought into that idea the most that, uh, you know, when they didn't have all the, obviously a lot of these people are people who inherited their wealth, like America's, uh, as based on like inheritance as, uh, any country in the world. And it's ridiculous that they have this or that we have this individualism ideal at the center of it and pull yourself up by your bootstraps because it's so much, but, but, Rich people have a way of self-reinforcing this idea that, like, they've earned it, they deserve it because, yeah, and it's just very because it's reinforced in every other in in every other way. You know, I got a text a couple days ago from someone who you know cares about me and my girlfriend, and they were like, it was before the articles came out. It was uh, the information about overflow lines that they had heard from a friend. It was word of mouth that was spreading and sort of the. Western LA community that they could go get a shot and they went and got a shot and they were like, you should go do that. You should take a chair and sit out there at, you know, five, go get a chair and sit out there at 5am and, and see if when it opens, you can be first in line. And it just didn't sit right. And so didn't do it, but, but it was, uh, you know, people, it's going to be weird next couple it's months. It's the radio sweepstakes. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're going to yeah. do hands on a hard body for this uh, COVID vaccine, <laughs> wherever, so whoever can keep their hands on the. Uh, I do want to talk about this New York Times op ed uh, from a client, climate scientist, uh, pointing out that we could use this as an opportunity, like the you know pan- global pandemic that we're all living through that is completely upended what normal life was heading into the year 2020 um we could use that to create a new normal and basically we have to use that to create a new normal because what used to be our normal lives has been vastly disrupted and we need to rebuild our lives in a way that is going to avoid you know the global catastrophe that we're all headed for from climate change but his op-ed is very actionable and very much like, and so we must do this to do. And, but another way to look at this was uh, a test case of how willing as Americans we are to change our lives, to accommodate the freedom and survival of others. And it's, we've just been shockingly bad at it. Um, Like they talk about the first thing we have to do let go of the idea that life will ever be normal again. And I mean, just look at the story we were just talking about, like everybody is uh, pushing each other out of the way to get the vaccine so they can go back to fucking Spago or whatever. Um, And like, I just don't think like all this op-ed, any analysis we give, like there's, there's just down to the core, down to the very DNA of what, america is and what the western cultural ideals are uh is is rotten or is incompatible with the continued survival of the species like we're none of this will matter like if people can't be taught to value collectivism and you know you see it in pop culture i was i was saying like the the martian 
is like a fantasy where the global community kind of joins together on one specific mission. Uh, I'm reading this book, The Three Body Problem, that has like kind of a similar-ish ideal, or at least moments of that. And I think like we are fantasizing about that idea that we could be a more collectivist society, but like there, it's just, I think we currently have to go to the realm of fantasy to even like approach that because we're so far from it right now. Collectivism? What is that? Some Lord of the Rings shit? Right. Yeah. It's just, it is basically fantasy at this point. I mean, it's tough because this uh, has been easier on some people than it has been on others, obviously. And, you know, some of the industries that we've, you know, that have been built over the last century rely on people using them. And right. the their survival now is predicated on the idea that this is somehow temporary. And so, and we're going to lose, uh, like, a big, I mean... The biggest issue of the election cycle after this next one is going to be what happens to jobs that are lost to automation and, right. you know, putting putting everybody into, you know, domiciles and letting this life continue ad nauseum or or cycling through various things like it, it'll have an impact. And. But yeah, I mean, it does seem Greta Thunberg was saying the same thing. Like, yeah, if we can do this for a pandemic, we should be able to do this for for uh, for something else world threatening. But it's not like, you know, the just I I know I I'm worried here that I sound like a little conservative, but like the deaths from the like Maricopa County's numbers for overdoses came out yesterday and there were 700 more deaths from overdosers in the last in 2020 than there were in 2019. And that's one County in right. Arizona. And like, you know, I'm not saying, uh, you know, the Republican talking point is that it, this is worse than no lockdown. And that's not true, but, right. um, but an indefinite lockdown or the prospect of further lockdowns, like I can see that taking a real, you know, and part of me also thinks that this is an irresponsible solution. This is a sledgehammer solution, a lockdown where, where where we should be advanced enough as a species to take scalpel solutions to the problems like we should but you know i know that's it's it's i I feel like i sound like really unfunny right now like this is not what what i what as i'm also a comedian so i should i shouldn't be trusted and my job depends (laughs) on people uh getting together in 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 large spaces so i am both biased and uninformed but uh with that said i uh yeah i I don't know. I I think it's an I think it's an interesting idea. Yeah. Right. Well, I think the despair deaths are obviously a, a phenomenon just across the country that we're not addressing in general, and like so much of that has to do with inequality. And again, the messages that are reinforced in people's minds of what success looks like, or what it means to be happy, or what you have to have. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just like that's why this whole thing is just such an omni crisis. Like it it this whole pandemic is just like it it's. It's just showing all of the things that we have to address urgently to try and bring some sense of equilibrium uh, back to like this place. But yeah, it, it's 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 definitely trying. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's I don't think there's a easy solution. I also I'm not suggesting like we 
change reality so that like people don't like getting together in groups or anything like that. But um, just that just at a very basic level, this central uh, myth uh, of Americanism that that it's all pull yourself up by your bootstraps, can't accept help, you know, rewriting successful people's stories to cut out all the incredible amounts of help that they got from their families and from uh, the the business partners that they cut out of these deals like that that stuff is all poisonous and I feel like needs to more and more be viewed as such and we need to right. like rewrite uh, so, some of this history and some of our pop culture so that we acknowledge uh, that that is a myth and that we need each other and we need to have like a more of a collectivist mentality if we're gonna uh, continue on and like I think there are creative solutions to a lot of the problems that people treat as intractable with both um, the the pandemic and with fossil fuels that like well if when we put our mind to it like I, I do think we can come together and like act in a way that is beneficial to the species as a whole I just think that there is this poisonous myth that is keeps pulling us like it's like this gravitational pull of uh, the American founding myth that really keeps fucking things up. I do believe that. I, I don't know. Is it, is it too starry? I to think that we'll figure it out. Like, like I, I do think that we'll eventually transition completely out of away from fossil fuels. Like I think we will, you know, eventually figure out a way to like put more oxygen back instead of taking, instead of taking it out. And, and, uh, in, in terms of like carbon sequestration and, and things like that, like environmental science is really complicated, but it's also becoming more and more popular as a field and people are yeah, yeah. spending more and more time in it. But, but, but yeah, obviously the problem is now. So yeah. the, the question is, what are we, what are we doing about it now? But I, I also think it's interesting to think about how we're going to come out of this pandemic. Cause some people are like, Oh, it's going to be the roaring twenties and people are going <laughs> to fucking go to nightclubs every night. And I think what actually is going to happen is that people who used to do it every night now will be comfortable doing it. Like, you don't, I don't think anyone now who was a, a season ticket holder to a major league baseball team feels like they need to go to every game. I think I see, I think season ticket holders are like, we could go to three Braves games a year and, or we could go, you know, if we're a fan of the Mets we can, or the pirates, we can go to one game a year, but like, it's the, it's really, we'll see how, we'll see what happens after this, whether or not like everyone's exploding into vacations or if people are like, you know what? A trip to the supermarket is enough for me. So like, yeah, let's see how people's behavior changes. Yep. Well, Speaking of uh, changes, let's talk about uh, this Florida CFO real quick. Um, he reached out to the president of uh, the Olympic Committee, I guess, and is offering up uh, the Sunshine State as yeah, just... uh, a new location if Tokyo keeps fucking around with this, uh, we're too scared of the pandemic thing. This letter is the most Florida-like agro capitalist fucking shit it's so weird this guy first of yeah like you're saying cfo of the state of florida what <laughs> uh i guess so yeah jimmy patronus who sounds like a molly jimmy dealer at patronus? hogwarts yes that's his whole <laughs> <It's> vibe 
his name Molly is Jimmy Dealer at Hogwarts. Is, uh, <laughs> it's like his yes, whole fucking. Perfect. Hey, go to Jimmy Patronus. He's got the he's the plug. Um, he wrote this. Le- this letter is so wild because it's like it's full of fantastic. Just you know, let's ignore the pandemic takes and also just dunking on people. So yeah, like you're saying, uh, Jack, in the beginning, he was talking about how. Uh, you know, with media reports of leaders in Japan privately concluding that they are too concerned about the pandemic for the 2021 Olympics to take place, there is still time to deploy a site selection team to uh, Florida to meet with statewide. Okay, we get it. You want that. Japan is too pussy about the pandemic to have it, apparently. It was amazing that he was able to type that while making the jerk off hand motion he was clearly yeah. making while while typing it. Yeah. I mean, look, the. The ghost is in the ink. You can see it right there. Um, And then goes on to say, just to be like, yo, DeSantis is like, this is the letter goes on quote. When most of the major states were shutting down their economies, we were fortunate enough to have a governor that recognized the important balance of fighting the virus with keeping the economy open. Moreover, Governor DeSantis has partnered with private blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. You, you, you hat tipped to Ron DeSantis. Who's absolute whatever. Um, (laughs) They keep going to talk about how Florida has been fine for other things, too. State of Florida has successfully allowed sports to take place like the NBA. Additionally, our international tourist destinations like Disney parks have been open and operating safely in Florida for some time. In fact, Disney serves as an incredible model for how to run a complex organization in the midst of COVID-19. False. We've talked Mm. about how much of a shit show that place is. There's no mass compliance. They're photoshopping masks on people on Splash Mountain photos because they don't want it to get out that the place is not really doing that great in terms of safety. And like the NBA, like that's, these aren't one-to-one comparisons, my man. That was a fucking bubble where there weren't even fans. So what are you positing that it'll be a bubble? Like the state will fucking cut itself off. I mean, I would, I have no problem with that, but uh, what is the exact logic here of being able to have the Olympics in the United States? It's not just Florida. It's technically we're in the United States where we are not doing well with this pandemic at all. So, Ugh. Jimmy, please. Jimmy hey, but, uh, you know, Patronus. please contact my office at 850-413-4900 to schedule a meeting. Come on, Jimmy. Really? You think that that's what they're the IOC is going to be like? Hey, he's got a point. <laughs> Yo, hit this dude up. Yeah. Give an uh, 8500 number. 850. <laughs> 8500 would be funny. Call me at 850. Is that the real number? Did they put the, That's his number. the real number? His, this, yeah, his letter is published on his on the website, which is because I was like, what? MyFloridaCFO.com, which was like, I is mean, this real? Like, that's not even a government website. Can we call him? Uh, yeah, all, all I'm saying, Miles, is yeah. you speak fluent Japanese. Uh, we have this dude's oh, phone God. number. What's his number? Uh, 850-413-2842. This is the comms office for the, the CFO. I mean, that's... that's hey! That's, hold on, let's see. Use a European accent. Use a European accent. <laughs> let's see. I mean, I mean they got to pick up. What if I'm the Olympic Committee? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you 
you for calling the communications office of CFO uh, and State Fire Marshal Jimmy Petronas. Jimmy Petronas. We can't Petronas. take your call right now, but please leave a message and we will return it. If you require assistance immediately, try emailing us at communications at com. Okay. Record your message at the tone. When you are finished, hang up or press pound for more options. Hi, Jimmy. My name is Alex Edelman. I am a Bostonian uh, and, uh, look, longtime fan of Olympic sports. My brother, <laughs> Adam Edelman, competed in the 2018 Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang. And listen, I am launching a rival bid. I want Boston <laughs> to host the Summer Olympics. I want the marathon to go from Fenway Park. We, we have a Boston marathon course. We have it already set up. We don't know why you're doing this. Uh, frankly, Boston is way better suited to host the Olympics. Please call me to discuss. My phone number is 617. Happy to argue about it. And listen, I've got the plug. All right, bye. <laughs> Great. Patronus! <laughs> Patronus, baby. Oh, I mean, patroned him. I hope what? he calls you. He's, he won't. But, but I mean, <laughs> it's, it's insane that, first of all, I am one of these people that believe that the Olympics works when, um, uh, you know, uh, oh, yeah. By the way, please bleep my number. Uh, <laughs> they, I'm not Jay Vaternas. I don't want people having my phone number. But um, I, uh, I like the Olympics can be great. It was great for L.A. in 1984. It was, you know, it was bad for it was it, it was bad for Sarajevo. It was it was it was good for Barcelona. It was good for London 2012. It was bad for Sydney. Like the Olympics is a site specific thing. It's a huge infrastructural challenge and part of the complex pitching process for the olympics is trying to promise the olymp the olympics the ioc that hey you're not just gonna bulldoze a bunch of homeless shelters and put up a stadium and right. so like you can't just be like hey why don't you have the olympics it doesn't fucking work that way <laughs> i can it's so dumb they've got a but ton like, of facilities man ton of facilities <sighs> And they, I do feel like one of the things they brag about is being able to just like put up these huge uh, facilities and arenas on like within a year. Like, there's no healthy way to do that for your community unless you already have all the infrastructure. Uh, like, LA obviously already has a bunch of really uh, beautiful waterways that uh, they'll be ho holding the Olympic events at. The, the L.A. River, I, I can already picture. The, oh, for the kayaking? The, <laughs> the kayak races in the L.A. River. That'll be cool. Yeah. Look, L.A. is complicated. 84 is the only, like, the model for right. good Olympics. But, I mean, right now, the No Olympics campaign here is pretty strong. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, and when we come back, uh, we will talk about sliceable hot sauce. And we're back, and uh, we're still marveling at the name Jimmy Petronas, the fact that he's the state fire marshal and CFO. That sounds like CFO was just tacked on there. Can you sure. buy these jobs or something? <laughs> or make them up? I'm also Marky the Panhandle, the state mascot. <laughs> I, uh, Marky the Panhandle. <laughs> I do everything around here. I'm the groundskeeper in Everglades <laughs> National Park, southern, southern corner. I'm the uh, I'm the bridge repairman from uh, Key Biscayne to Key West. Like, right? Jimmy Petronas, my business card is full. 
<laughs> everything. I guess, uh, you know, it's just the equivalent of being the controller. Other state, like, we call it a control. I think that's just what it, they're just being real corporate about, I'm like, the CFO uh, giving it that rather than calling it the state controller. Just imagine yeah. they're like, hey, we had a pretty good Olympics, guys. Uh, we lost three triathletes to crocodiles uh, during <laughs> right. the swimming uh, gators, portion. Gators, sir. I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, that's Those right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he ain't from here. Yeah, it's uh, a insane, insane too. Uh, but hey, look, a Florida Olympics is not a bad i is not a bad idea. But just not a. Uh, also, yeah. Japan, let them have this. They've been they've been nailing the. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. Not it, nailing, it's, it's tough. But I think than... right. I just in general, like until you can guarantee safety for all, like why yeah. are we talking about this? That should just yeah. it, that's where the conversation should. Well, end. you know what? Shut down. I, I look as someone who went to the Olympics in 2018. Shut it down. Like just have bubble, bubble competitions because frankly, most of the events are empty. Because the tickets go to corporate sponsors, so you'll be at a figure skating event that's sold out, and tickets are going for you know hundreds of dollars on the street, and the event's empty because the actual tickets are sitting on the desk of some middle manager at Goodyear in Detroit. Like it just they don't right. have it's it's not a spectator friendly event anyhow. Like put them. I in wonder the if that's also what's happening with the vaccine. Is all the vaccines are sitting on the desk of some middle manager in Goodyear? It's like you you yeah. need to get corporate sponsorship, bro. Come on. Hey, what are all those vials? Ah, shit. I was oh, to put man. those in the freezer. I was supposed to use these, wasn't I? <laughs> um, let's talk about a couple of the spoils of capitalism. Uh, we have a fruit leather version of version of hot sauce, a sliceable hot sauce that was what just. Are you doing? I mean, its its growth has been accelerated because it appeared on Shark Tank, uh, <laughs> and guest star Alex Rodriguez. Uh, bought into the concept with a $200,000 investment. So, yeah, get ready to never see this ever. Well, it started anywhere. like it was It was a Kickstarter for ketchup slices. And people were like, ooh, this is interesting. First of and I'm like, no, I don't want a condiment that like I chew through. That's not yeah, the no. Anyway, so the newest development is because Alex Rodriguez came through with the 200K they're like, okay, well, now we're going, we're collaborating with name brand, name, name brand hot sauces. So now they're offering Frank's Red Hot Original Cayenne and Secret Aardvark Habanero Hot Sauce as uh, their new slices. Now, what you get is an eight-slice pack for $5.99. And to that, I say, fuck no. Goodbye. Get out of sauces, Hot sauce in small amounts, it's free. Yeah. I what? I don't pay for a, a condiment. I won't do it. A dried out version that's cheap. Slices for six. You can buy the bottled shit. I don't understand what the advantage is at this point. What like, do you think I from, am? Made of money? Yeah. Do you <laughs> see me you. chartering a plane to the Yukon to to cheat indigenous <laughs> people out of vaccines? No, I'm Come not on. spending that money on hot sauce, fruit leather. Yeah, you go to um, you go to any place and grab handfuls and put them in your pockets. Yes. Uh, another way people are spending their money that I wanted to highlight is uh, Budweiser. So, oh, can I just say one thing? 
yeah. I just have to have my Auntie Frank's screed really quick because I do not like Frank's hot sauce. I don't think it's hot sauce. I think it's this weird wing f- sauce that people call hot sauce, and I What's don't the like difference? it. It's just it's it's not like a hot sauce, you know. Like a t- Tabasco is a hot sauce to me. Crystal is a fucking hot sauce, but Frank's is just this abomination. It's not wow. it's not doing what it's supposed to. Do. It's like when Lil Wayne tried to play guitar. Like it ain't it. I see what you're doing, but no, nobody wanted this or needed this. The only thing I know about hot sauce is that Hillary Clinton carries a bottle in her bag. So that's the (laughs) claims to everything I know about hot sauce. Claims to yeah, Hillary. Yeah, I know. I was making I was making fun. (laughs) Right. I was. Uh, all right, let's talk about Super Bowl commercials real quick because yeah. uh, it seems like a lot of companies uh, don't really know how to Super Bowl commercial this year. Um, there are companies that are deciding not to buy Super Bowl ads like Budweiser um, because it costs more than $5 million for a 30-second slot, um, and people are worried if they're funny, it may seem insensitive. Uh, if they're somber and reflective, uh, they might depress people. And, you know, you don't want to hire Jeff Goldblum to dress up like his character from Independence Day to sell life insurance for nothing. Um, (laughs) So earlier this month, Coca-Cola announced that they would not be buying an ad in the Super Bowl, uh, claiming they would instead, quote, ensure we are investing in the right resources during these unprecedented times, which is, I think, the vaguest corporate statement ever made. Uh ensure we're investing in the right resources during these unprecedented times unless you're coming out being like yo the nfl is like a modern plantation where it's just built on a pile of discarded bodies who break themselves for very little support after retirement and because of that we are no longer buying ads right then i get it yeah i want Uh, i wish there was one radical conglomerate I wish there was one, just one company that made hand soap or something like that. And it was just like, I wish it was a Ben and Jerry's, but huge. Like, right. I wish Ben and Jerry's wasn't just partially owned by Unilever and Unilever right. every single day was like, just so you know, we're for killing all firefighters. And you're like, what? <laughs> Why? Why? And they're like, we're the radical conglomerate and we have to surprise people. And this is what we do. But I've written some Super Bowl ads. Um And yeah, and they're, they're fun. And the, it's the one time as like copywriters are just like, Hey, do whatever you want. Like it's an unlimited budget. Like we could get William Hurt if you need, I don't know why he's the example (laughs) of a star. I'm thinking I love it. Third, third, uh, third build, uh, star of broadcast news, William Hurt. But I, I think national treasure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, seems like a bad guy. But uh, I oh for sure yeah horrible man. But I do think that um, that like doing it this year, you don't know the dollar value of what the Super Bowl is going to be. Like that's right. really the reason that companies won't be buying Super Bowl ads because they don't know what they're getting. And usually, uh, the things that people try to sell during the Super Bowl, they sell. You know, these are these are money items. People things that people spend money on. People spend yeah. their disposable income on the items that are advertised during the Super Bowl. They buy beer, they buy cereal, they buy uh, peanuts, they buy, you know, fucking, you know, in- insurance of different kinds or domain yeah. names and things like that, Coke and Pepsi. And now 
it's hard to know if people are spending their where people are going to be spending their disposable income this next year. It's hard to know what the marketing value is. So like, I, I'm not I'm not surprised that people one are. miscalculation I think is that people are saying part of that calculus that went into not buying is uh, that people. Uh, these brands were worried the Super Bowl might not happen because there could be a surge in COVID right before it. That's not going to stop the Super Bowl, y'all. No, like that. Super that's Bowl not going to. They're, they're going to. Uh, you the mean season a surge in stopped. COVID like the last five months? What What do you think is uh, Tom Brady happening here? Tom Brady could be could be sneezing in everyone's face the day of the Super Bowl, and they'd be like, "Yeah, I mean, he has COVID, but he's still playing. Like it's right. the Super Bowl." I mean, his yeah. parents have it currently. I mean, when the um, Dodgers won, Justin yeah. Turner tested positive and he was running out there celebrating and we very quickly were like, ah, you know. Yeah. He just yep. won. Uh, Coca-Cola. So Coke announced they weren't going to be doing uh, the Super Bowl. Pepsi, like the, now there's this arms race to not be doing Super Bowl ads. Uh, <laughs> Pepsi was like, we won't be advertising uh, at the Super Bowl. Uh, they accept... Uh, Mountain Dew, uh, a bunch of Pepsi on snacks are, are running commercials during the Super Bowl. Uh, and Pepsi, the beverage Pepsi, is the sponsor of the halftime show. Uh, and they're so committed to the halftime show that they claimed even if the game was canceled, there would still be a halftime show. Uh, and Who's they believe doing people the halftime show, Bruno Mars or someone? The weekend. Oh, okay. Um, great. Mm, that's not a not, a, not, yeah. Not always the. I mean, unless he's he, doing he House of Balloons, like, right? Yeah, <laughs> he like, seems wow. like a very uh, niche performer for the Super Bowl. But I guess that uh, "Blinding Light" song was a big hit. Um, yeah, but I'm just saying personally. Now Budweiser is claiming uh, they're making headlines for pulling their ads from the Super Bowl uh, for the first time since 1983. Uh, instead, they've pledged to donate the money they would have spent on the ad to coronavirus vaccination efforts. Uh, sounds great. Uh, except they're still buying four minutes worth of ads for their other products during the Super Bowl. So uh, their vaccine awareness, less important than letting people know about the cool, refreshing taste of Bud Light Seltzer Lemonade. Um, but they're actually also paying money to advertise the fact that they're not advertising during the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, that's not how they, that works. <laughs> they made one of those pandemic-themed soft piano music ads uh, where, and they specifically like called out, uh, starting Monday, the brand will air an ad that celebrates resilience during the pandemic, including a socially distanced birthday parade and athletes in Black Lives Matter jersey. So, in other words, like literally every ad that oh has come out since. Fucking the... God, I'm so tired. Um, I'm so you... tired of this shit, Jack. <laughs> Make it it's... stop. Why? Why can't we? That's been a big despair factor at the beginning of the pandemic. All these ads were so people were. There was a blissful quiet from advertisers at the beginning of this pandemic, and it lasted three months. Yep. Three months and now and then after that they were like, You might as well get it at Olive Garden. Like yeah. it was just like <laughs> if you're gonna get sick, get sick here, you know, like get sick with I'm so tired of the And like, also while we pretend to be part of the solution by highlighting the efforts of people who are actually doing selfless work, uh and 
basically corporatize that and like devalue that so that somehow like the acts of uh, the first responders and the frontline workers are uh, are cheapened by by our goal of selling you Olive Garden. There's a soft serve ice cream shop in Monterey Park, Cal- that we that me and my girlfriend love. It's called Big Softy, and they are shut. And I called. I was like, "Why? You know, they're, like they're Why? shut. They're not even doing takeout." <laughs> and I was like. I'm just curious. I wasn't like, why are you shut? I was just hoping yeah, that yeah. no one died. Right. Like, I was just hoping that there wasn't like an outbreak because we go there, you know, once every two weeks. It's tiny. It's, you know, own, it's owned and run by the same. People. It's really small. And they were like, you know, we just we can't justify the cost of staying open, right. not financially, but just like if anyone gets sick. And so they're like, we're shutting down our Instagram. We're shutting down like they're sh- they, they're just like they've stopped everything. They're like, yeah. we'll be back when things get better. And like hibernation, yeah. It, it really, I really would appreciate if one company didn't do a Super Bowl ad and didn't tell me that they weren't going to do Super Bowl ad. It'd just be nice if they were just like, "Yeah, we." That I need a press release under explaining yeah. why Budweiser's not doing it. I don't yeah. need it. Just, just stop. But not just a press release, an entire ad campaign. No, I think this is part of like sort of like that op-ed, right, about collectivism and how do we shift the culture. It's like right now we pat people like we we love elevating like the singular hero or like this influencer or whatever. And until we like really change like what our who our heroes are to people who work together, who aren't interested in glory for themselves, who are selfless, like that will slowly seep into like this corporate world where they're like, see, we, we also, our CEO also took, uh, like half the salary to make sure that workers would stay employed through a pandemic. See, we did that. Here's a press release. And we actually did it. Like you almost have to, you have to rig that game too, for these people, because like they clearly over the summer and pandemic, like, see, we, we heard about white supremacy. We'll do one ad about that. And we'll, we'll pretend to give a fuck. We'll only pretend, but at least we started to talk about that. I'm like, it's, it's like, you have to begin to pull the momentum somewhere in another direction where I could really see like this rat, like your idea of a radical company, Alex, as one that's like this corporate entity. That's like, we, if we just get out there and we're like the Bernie Sanders of corporations, yes. like we're going to be fucking killing it. You know what I mean? And the that's, what's gonna is, like, that's what it'll be. It'd be cynical, but you can't fake that shit. You can't right. fake it. Like, right. I hate to be super white guy. But David Foster Wallace said he's like advertising can never be art because it's not a gift in any way. It always like demands some shit from you. Right. And like there's a psychic cost to watching an ad. There's a reason you have to sit through an ad before you get your free YouTube video because it sucks because it takes a little bit away from your day. It's an assault. Ads are an assault on you. I know I used to write them. They are right. awful. I, I still I still write them. I, if anyone needs copywriting work, there's a link on my website. But ads uh, yeah, are still uh, voice ads them. are truly <laughs> got to get that money. But ads are truly awful. They are really really tough. And in this time, doing them is really irresponsible. Making people sit through them, like yeah, it's just it's the straw on the camel's back right now. It's so making people sit through them to watch the news <laughs> is like oh yeah. My God. I mean, we still have advertiser supported news, and that's. Um, anyways, buy our great products that yeah. we'll yeah, come through and we'll talk about diarrhea shitting on your friend's nude ass. <laughs> <laughs> Sit through that. Um, but My what, Google search history after this is going to be very different. <laughs> uh, one additional detail is that so they're, you know, sp- buying up, uh, I think, four minutes of ad time for their other products. 
they are uh, claiming that they're donating the money they would be spending on Budweiser ads to vaccine education. They actually are investing $1 million. The ads cost $5.2 million. That's fucking nothing, $1 million. Yeah, it's what it was like when the idea of, man, these Super Bowl ads are expensive, got famous back in like the 80s. And they're just like, yeah, that's what people probably assume is how much a Super Bowl ad costs. So they're doing $1 million. That's the profit that an advertising company takes home from making the ads. Yeah. Yep. Right. $1 million. 1.3, 1.3, 1.2 million dollars is what you know an advertise a good advertising company would would take home for. That's not that's 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 zero dollars. That's a line item. That's a rounding error in a who's donating yeah. that comes what? out in the wash. Comes out in the wash. Anheuser Busch is donating. It all comes out. What? Are you kidding me? That's oh god. Okay. The I mean it makes sense that because this is definitely something that was pitched to them by an advertising agency. Uh this whole campaign around their decision not to advertise. Uh, you can almost picture a day drunk Don Draper coming up with the idea and everyone being like, brilliant, brilliant. brilliant. Um, <laughs> Alex, it's been a pleasure as always having you on the daily zeitgeist. Where can people find you and follow you? Uh, I've got a Twitter. I've got an Instagram. I've got a Patreon Ooh. and uh, I've got an album out called until now so if you guys feel like finding me in any of those things please don't tell Fran Leibowitz but if you're Jimmy Patronus (laughs) buddy my phone number is 617 no (laughs) give him a call is there a a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying yes Um, I saw a very funny tweet the other day that um uh what what's do people ever by the way re- mention a tweet and you're like we've had that one before? Uh, it's only happened once yeah, okay. or twice. Yeah. Um. There's there was a tweet that uh, that someone that someone said that I thought summed up a lot of. Uh, this is from Jordan Green four days ago. When I describe East Coast versus West Coast culture to my friends, I often say the East Coast is kind but not nice. The West Coast is nice but not kind. And East Coasters immediately get it. West Coasters get mad. Yeah. yeah. If that makes sense. East yeah, Coast, kind but not nice. Sense. West Coast, nice but not kind. Yep. That'll do it. Well, <laughs> you just weren't hot enough for LA. Sorry, babe. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what LA right that there. Is- absolutely it's like said with a smile but it's the most toxic shit yeah Uh, (laughs) miles where can people find you uh twitter instagram miles of gray also uh 420 day fiance talking 90 day fiance uh and you can find us on twitch.tv slash 420 day fiance for that stuff some tweets that i like um okay there's we got a couple here one is from at Aaliyah for Prez. Girl of the Year tweets, I act like I'm okay, but deep down inside, I want to get paid for doing nothing. <laughs> and that's that's, that's real. real. That's uh, that's that's real. Uh, another one is from uh, KP Moore at KP Moore 8 tweeting, a homeless guy asked me for money today. I looked in my pocket and all I had was a $20 bill. Do I really want this money going towards drugs? I thought to myself. Nah. So I gave him the twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that was mine. Good turn. Uh, that was so a funny. classic. 
Uh, I also liked one from Stabitha Christie. Uh, we need a Disney princess who eats tortellini in the middle of the night. Um, mm. That is true. That is a fact. Actually. That's someone's real life shit, huh? Where they're like, mm. I should be a Disney princess for eating tortellini mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. That's a tweet. We need a Disney princess with crumbs in their bed. Is that is yeah. that's the type of, that's <laughs> right, the right, type right. of shit there? Oh, God, crumbs <laughs> in the bed, man. Uh, <laughs> and also, sorry, Beliak tweeted, I don't want student loan forgiveness. I want student loan revenge. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> that's uh, hilarious. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what song are we riding out on today? This is from uh, a Canadian beat maker from Toronto, Toronto, uh, named Harrison, who I've been getting into. This has a very cool, you know, jazz sample stuff. It's just kind of, you know, background stuff, stuff to read to, whatever, write to, code to, design to, whatever you do. Uh, and it's called Around You. So check this out. A little funky, jazzy sample, sample-based track from Harrison. All right. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we will talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.